What's going on, everybody? Um, we are we're gonna let let people come in here. Um, this is the first yeah. diabetes Q and A show that I could not be more geeked out about. And I'm geeking. Are you geeking? I'm geeking. That's a new thing. Geeking? I'm not kidding. Yeah, ge geeking's new. There's also something called um, sus. 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 Something is called sus. I have. I think that means it's suspicious or suspect. <laughs> sus. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, so what we're going to do in this in this entire segment is we are taking diabetes questions for Andy. Uh, we've got a few preloaded here that we've taken throughout the week. Um, we're going to be doing this uh, once a month, I believe, and we'll be we'll announce that uh, here towards the end. We're going to go for about 30 minutes. Uh, so if you have a question um, for Andy in particular, uh, put it in the comments. We're going to be kind of combing through those um, all episode long. Um, say hello also because we, we will want to. Yeah. Guys, um, guys, grab a drink. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I asked Ben if I could have an old-fashioned before this, and uh, that was a hard no. So have one for me. It would be awesome. It was a hard no. Hard no. And also, it, can you guys just give me – I, I want to make sure that y'all can hear me. Um, so could whoever's with us, could you comment, say, yes, I can hear you, Ben, um, and let us know. We're going to – I just want to make sure that the sound is coming through. Uh, we don't have earphones, and I'm not sure which mic is picking us up. Um, so I, I see somebody in the green room is, is doing that. Uh, Linda, can you hear us? Can you hear us, Linda? If not, we'll see if she can, but this is impeccable lighting. I just want to give the lighting crew a quick heads up and a quick nod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming in nice and hot from that... Uh, Two o'clock position over there. That's great. That's perfect. Okay, great. All right. All right. We've got some. We've got some comments saying everybody can hear us, which means we can go Thank ahead. God. I know. I was gonna be so. <laughs> I was gonna be so upset if yes. uh, if the sound wasn't working because I, know. I didn't have another alternative. Yeah. To be honest. Oh yeah, we didn't. We'd have to. Yep. We'd have yeah. to. You know, figure we that out. Hear it. Uh, so thank you for that, guys. Yeah. Uh, hello, Juani. How you doing? Uh, Linda, what's going on? Um, guys, thanks for being here. Um, we're going to be taking questions. Just put them in the, in the comments here. And why don't we start with just a very basic diabetes question? And Are you ready? I am going to give a quick shout out. Do uh, I don't know if she's on here just yet. This is going to be in relation to what we're doing a little bit later, but one of my dearest friends, one of my sisters, Jessica Hunter, should be online because I was just on the phone with you about five seconds ago. So if you are online, then you didn't say you said you were going to be online and now not. But Jess Hunter is one of my dear friends, and I went to college with her. We did theater together, and she was part of the original production of Andy and the Beats. She was. How cool she is was that? An original beat. Was she an original beat? Beat number three, Jess Hunter. And so too, we're talking later on today. Um, uh, and yes, I do see your question about old fashions and diabetes. Yes, you can drink and, and have diabetes. That's a great question. I'll answer that here in a second. But we are talking about Andy and the Beats today. This is um, a children's book about type 1 diabetes that's based on a musical I wrote. Jess is on! Yes! So Jess was a part of the original production of the musical version that I wrote as my senior capstone project at UT. 
in biochemistry and in theater, and it's a musical version of what diabetes and type 1 diabetes is. So I wrote a children's book that's coming out on Mother's Day, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble through uh, Jane Carroll Publishing, and Jess is on there. I, and you get to pick, oh, the beats are on the back. Jess, look at this. You're going to love this. So there's the beats. So we haven't, we haven't picked which one was beat one, two, or three, but you choose, and you can be any of them. You, you, know what we, you know what we should call Jess? An OB. Instead of an OG, an OB, which stands for original beat. Or um, she could be an OB and deliver babies. Or an OB. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, you thought can be, it, I thought it worked. You can do anything you want. I thought it worked. An OB versus an OG. An OGOB. An OGOB. Bogo backwards. A bogo backward. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, so so much fun. I'm, there's, there she is. She is an OB. Uh, so thank you for hanging out. Corey, thank you for being here. Uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, being crowd. here and, and hanging out. Uh, again, I'll remind everybody, we're taking questions throughout the show. We're going to kind of mix in a few that came in during the week, week as well as the ones that are showing up in the comments. Um, but can I ask you just kind of the most basic one? Um, if you have my consent, yes. I did you didn't sign anything before you before we started? I just signed I just signed a non-disclosure agreement. Yes, I did. Yes, there are certain subjects we cannot talk about on here, but sure, I'll answer. Okay, Go. this Go. one you can because okay. it's the subject of the show. Yes. Tell us what is what is diabetes? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a good that's a good question. Just beat me right to the punch. What is diabetes? Let's just get to it. Okay, so we're just getting right to it. I'm gonna give a little bit of a lengthy answer. So diabetes means there's an issue with blood glucose regulation in your body. It means your body is doing something with insulin and glucose that it doesn't normally do. So there's a dysregulation. Two types of diabetes. There's more than two types, but the most common types are type 1 and type 2. So type 1 is autoimmune process where there's no beta cells. You don't make insulin. So type 1 means insulin deficiency. You don't have it. Uh, type 2 is where you do make insulin, but the str they're stressed out. Your pancreas makes an insulin resistance. You send out more insulin that does the job of less. So type 2 is insulin resistance. They're, it's important because they're treated differently. So it's all about insulin and glucose management. The result is that you have high blood sugar, and so you have to fix the high blood sugars. And that's consistent with both type 1 and type 2 is high blood sugar. Yes. It's just a, a matter of how you're getting that high blood sugar. Yes. One would be the autoimmune uh, response, and mm -hmm. the other is... Um, insulin resistance. Yes, yes. And so they see that, uh, too, there's a very big genetic component to type 2 diabetes, just like there is for type 1. Um, so it's an inherited insulin resistance pattern. Uh, but sometimes it can be through lifestyle. Some people associate it with gaining weight, that there's more incidence of type 2 diabetes, which that is a risk factor. But sometimes, too, that doesn't necessarily mean that it, it totally correlates with weight. But it, the important thing is insulin resistance insulin deficient. That's how you treat it. If you're insulin resistant, you fix the resistance and it fixes the insulin. If you're insulin deficient, you don't have any, give it back. With the type one being insulin deficient. Deficient, yes. Interesting. And then with type two is insulin resistance. So give me the scenario where um, someone isn't overweight and yet, yeah. and yet they're still um, insulin resistant. For one, how would they 
I know prediabetes is something you see every day. Mm-hmm. How do they? How would they know? Would it be like they just start feeling feeling bad? You're, most often, you feel bad. I know that when my blood sugars are high, I feel bad. You have to imagine that sugar is running through your veins, and sugar, if you look on a microscope, looks like little ninja stars. It's really sharp. It's glycosylated, so it can cut the vessels. So as you cut the vessels, it hurts. Your eyes can hurt. Your vision can be blurry. You feel tired. I often compare it to syrup running through your veins. You feel sluggish. Hmm. If I take a nap in the afternoon, it's most often from having a high blood sugar. Um, So they can note that way too. Sometimes you can see some muscle wasting with type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance without them being necessarily overweight. More often than not, it's overweight just because insulin loves to store fat. Insulin, that's the purpose of it, is get glucose into the cell and inhibit lipolysis or inhibit fat breakdown. So why is it most of the time it's with it's associated with people that are that are overweight at the time sometimes weight can be um, an issue of nutrition so if, if you're eating more carbohydrates than usual insulin respo- response to carbohydrates more carbohydrates out there the more carbs you eat which is why atkins diet works well for type 2 diabetes it's low carb more insulin spits out the more insulin that spits out the more opportunity for fat storage that's where that comes from that is super fascinating mm-hmm. but it's a genetic it's kind of cool like that is a genetic inherited trait so it usually runs in families the reason that trait's been around for a while is that these people used to survive when time there were times of famine the great potato famine patients with type 2 diabetes would would absolutely um survive that because they could survive on very little does that make sense so you know back in the day you wanted the insulin resistant situation i wouldn't say you'd necessarily want it but it was an asset should you not be eating you could survive off very little and still hang on to fat if you're in a time of famine that's why that trait is still here today those people didn't die off but those with type 1 diabetes absolutely died off because there was no insulin to give so fascinating in the sense i because i I think the problem is nowadays you know food isn't um difficult to get right Right. whereas back back in the old days you you might have to go days without eating whereas now you know food is abundant you know yes yes absolutely okay well i'm gonna put morgan up here because i think I think Morgan, I know Morgan celebrating Cinco de Mayo probably right now, <laughs> and uh, and and I want to I want to ask Morgan. A, 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 so sweet, that is so kind. I want a Cinco Look. de Mayo question. Like I, I want to know what he's consuming right now and whether or not you think it's diabetes friendly. Tequila, actually, yes. So liquors, liquors are low carb. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not kidding. That's actually, too, it's usually the additives to it that kind of causes the, the margarita mix that goes in with the tequila that spikes blood glucose. But alcohol, that's a big lesson for those with diabetes, especially type 1. I had to have a lesson in how to drink with diabetes. Alcohol decreases your blood sugar. It does. Any person that is that is struggling with alcoholism comes into the ER and they're having an alcoholic binge. You have to give them sugar. They are sugar depleted. So it has an opposite effect of what you think. You think carbs and beer, and it's going to be your blood sugar's going to be through the roof. It's usually the opposite. So does that mean, like, I mean, it's not a good thing to do when your blood sugar's low just to have some alcohol? <laughs> so it'd be opposite. So if your blood sugar's low, you wouldn't want to make it lower. So alcohol's, not, alcohol's not going to bring it up. So if you're, but alcohol is not going to bring your blood sugar 
Damn, that would not be a way to treat a high blood sugar. Though. No, <laughs> I mean, treat it the way you want to treat it, but probably not. It's just super fascinating, the, the whole deal. Now, one thing that you know I noticed with you and Kelly growing up is you always had glucose tablets around. Mm-hmm. That was, I'm assuming, for low blood sugar. Yes. And that was to get your energy back up. To get the glucose back up. Okay. Your so energy will come up as a result, but the glucose tabs is to get it's just glucose so you get glucose back up with glucose tabs interesting now with type 2 are they susceptible to something similar you can you have less opportunity for low blood sugars with type 2 just because you still have insulin on board there's insulin out there you're just trying to make that work better usually it's from the medications you add on and two as you kind of correct the disease state that you experience more low blood sugars. You have to do a medication adjustment. For type 1s, we're, we are doing all the insulin on the outside. So right. sometimes it could be what we've eaten. Sometimes it could be stress. Sometimes it could be working out. Sometimes it could be the insulin we just dosed. Now, I'm going to get into, you know, one question stood out this week, and it was about insulin for type 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when is it appropriate for someone with type 2 diabetes to be put on insulin? And then how do you get them off of it? Uh, as I'm assuming it's not a good long-term play. So it all goes back to what's causing it. So there's not an issue with insulin deficiency when type two diabetes, it's insulin resistance. So why would you add insulin to an already insulin resistant management person, management for this person? That's the idea of why we want to avoid it if we can. It's kind of exacerbating the problem. And if there's a problem with weight, so if people are overweight and have type 2 diabetes and need to be on insulin, insulin can make you gain weight because it inhibits lipolysis. It loves weight. So sometimes it kind of makes it worse. But it all depends on the A1C. There's certain guidelines about when you add insulin for management of type 2 diabetes. It's usually after three different pharmaceutical agents that haven't helped your A1C, which is your three-month study of sugars or glucose, at a certain target range, or if you already start off at a super high A1C. Usually above 9 or 10 is when you can start insulin management. You can do it short term, three to six months, a year to where A1C starts to slowly creep down to where you can adjust and get off of insulin. And that's what I would suggest too if you're doing that. Start insulin in the immediate to get your blood sugar down more acutely because that will happen. It'll make your blood sugar go down more quickly, but you want to do it in the attempts of coming off of it and getting on other medications that will work better for the long run. My mind's a, a little bit blown. Uh, I don't know if anyone in here is as Consider well. Consider your mind blown. <laughs> also, too, I just wanted to tell the audience out here, um, I was contemplating wearing a hat today. So um, I thought my hair was a mess. It's been compared to a rat's nest. Um, some birds were hiding in there at one point. But with this angle, you can't see the back right now. It's not a party in the back, so. Well, we we Thank we did this God angle for on, good lighting. What's well, on purpose, man? You you look great. It's this angle, though. If you adjusted this computer just to the left or to the right, no. <laughs> so this is not necessarily reality, guys. This is not reality. <laughs> this is alternate reality. <laughs> yes. So um, one other question we got, and then we'll go into to questions within the comments. If you guys have questions, if you want to interact with us, go ahead and, and start putting those in there. Uh, it was about Victoza and Saxenda and when you put people on that and what for. Like, what's the, what's the deal with Saxenda and Victoza? Is it a type 2? 
thing. Yes, it is a type two thing. <laughs> it's the medical term, type two thing. Yes. Um, yes, it is a it is a tool to help lower glucose and improve glucose management within type two diabetes. That is something called GLP one. GLP-1 is going to be the wave of the future for type 2 diabetes management and as an adjunct to type 1 diabetes, though not indicated right now. How it works, it has, it's a multi-system. It works all over the body, but really it sensitizes insulin. So it makes insulin work better and makes you fuller faster by slowing food going through your GI tract. So patients lose weight with it. Their glucose improves from insulin sensitivity. They feel less hungry. Most often they feel better. It's too, it has a cardiac indication for it too. It de I believe it decreases preload in your heart. I'll have to double check on that. But Victoza, Saxinda, Trulicity, Ozempic. Ozempic is the bomb. Those are the ones that are in the GLP-1 category that are dosed differently, but all help out with that. But Saxinda is just another name for Victoza. They're the same drug, different milligrams because they're studied differently. Saxinda is meant for weight loss. Victoza is meant for type 2 diabetes, but they work exactly the same way. One thing I do know is I know type 2 diabetes can be reversed can it be reversed with those medications only? So like you put somebody on one of those medications mm -hmm. yeah. and then all of a sudden they are not diabetic anymore. So whether or not you have diabetes or not diabetes, that I've gotten that question before and that is good. And I think that answer is nuanced. You will always have the propensity to have diabetes once your A1C goes above 6.5. So I say if you're above 6.5, you're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, that diagnosis really stays there. Now, whether or not you have it once your A1C goes down, I would say that you're a well-controlled patient with type 2 diabetes. So it's not like I'm all of a sudden a patient that doesn't have diabetes anymore. But people argue against that. That's just my opinion for that. Okay. I would say that you have you have done everything you can with prescriptive medication and intervention as well as your modifiable risk factors at home, diet, exercise, to have an A1C that is no longer considered type 2 diabetes. But A1C means three-month study of sugar, over 6.5, that means type 2 diabetes. Okay. But if you get below, then I think you're controlling it well. Got it. But you can reverse too. But is it reversible? Yes. Uh, to a certain extent, it's reversible. You can be on these medications with the intent of coming off of them. But with the intent of coming off of it, it's more about how are you regulating what you can do at home, which is nutrition, which is exercise, anything to help out with glucose management without medical intervention. Would you ever go the route of not doing something, not doing a med medical intervention versus just a, say I come in with an A1C over 615, 6.5, 6 and I say, hey, Andy, I want to do this just through diet. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's awesome? Or would you say, hey, let's put you, let's try this first. Let's try this for 30 days. Good question. That's a good question. My, my personal opinion would be to do something first because I think these medications are good. If it was one where I was like, oh, these medications, you would just have to grin and bear it for a little bit. These medications are the bomb. Metformin is the gold standard. So everybody starts off with metformin. Ozempic and those types of drugs are slowly becoming number one in choices for first in, first line therapy, they call it. Metformin, people take metformin to, to age well. It's an anti-aging drug. It's an anti-inflammatory drug. People take metformin without diabetes. So I'd argue to say if you can tolerate metformin, which causes some GI stuff, 
take it and they don't only help out with what you're doing at home as you transition of course and i want to tell every if you're a patient of ours if you're a patient of somebody else's you have choice in therapy so if you want to do diet and exercise at the beginning that is your choice to do it whether or not a pa or a doctor recommends it it's it's up to you with what you want to do i like going the natural route but i think the medications like metformin and ozempic are pretty awesome anyways so don't think it's a bad idea i would recommend starting now, if I, if I remember correctly, you didn't include metformin in the same group of medications as Saxenda and Victoza. Am I right? Different. Okay, so, right. so it's, it's a different type. So if those are GLPD1? GLP1s. GLP1s, mm -hmm. what, does, what classification does metformin fall under? Biguanides. Okay. Big one eyed, that's really the class. That's the only that's the only one we really use in that class of drugs. It's just been around for a long time. And that was one of the only things we had for type two diabetes was metformin. Um, so metformin is still considered first line therapy. All patients should be started on metformin first. GLP ones are newer. So why is it first is it a first line medication because of the history and like just there's so much evidence well tolerated lots of evidence for good glucose control and, and well tolerated the biggest side effect for metformin usually is diarrhea it's usually gi distress the biggest side effect of glp1s is usually nausea but two it's it's, it's i hate to say it's a cost difference too metformin they might as well pay you to take metformin it's cheap uh glp1s when not covered is are nine hundred dollars with and with cash savings programs can come down to four hundred or five hundred dollars Per month. Per month. Yeah. But when it's covered, it's free to $25. And it's got good coverage. I don't want to say that's a bad thing, but that's another thing, too, is usually why they say first line. More people can afford it. So say you put me on one of those medications. My A1C drops below 615. I'm feeling, sorry, 6.5. I'm feeling great. Mm -hmm. You take me off of it. My A1C rises up again. Mm -hmm. At that point, does it become like, okay, you need to stay on Ozempic for maintenance purposes. Forever. <laughs> yes, most likely, yes. It depends on what you're doing at home, too. So a lot of these medications, if we're not having lifestyle interventions as well, we're not using it to its max capacity. If it's, Andy, I'm not eating any carbs, I'm going keto, I'm working out seven times a week, I'm living a regimented robotic life, and I'm still having these increases, then the, ins the point of insulin resistance has gone to where medical intervention is indicated more long-term. Diabetes is a chronic illness, so it's not acute, meaning that it's forever. So sometimes medications have to stay on that long. And, th and that seems why, you know, maybe you said, okay, once you've gone, your A1C has gone above 6.5, even though maybe naturally I got it back below, mm -hmm. I still need to I still need to look at myself as I have diabetes in the terms of the way I do things. That's that's a yes. I would say that that is a that is a good tactic and a good mindset to remind yourself of okay, lifestyle interventions. I've I have diabetes. It is under control. It's in optimal range. How do I keep it there? It, that's just super fascinating to me because yeah. one, one thing that um, our dad, Dr. Ross, has always said is he feels like the like the best lifestyle is one that is lived by someone with diabetes. You have to, as a patient with type 1 diabetes, we've talked a lot about type 2, 
I watch everything that goes into my mouth. I've done it for 17 years. Yep. So I can count carbs in my head very well. And any pa any friend or family member of yours that you know that has type 1, they're going to they're gonna know food. They're going to know how it makes you feel. You're either going to feel bad or you're going to feel good from it. And two, it's going to spike your blood sugar or it's going to drop it. So we know everything that goes into our mouth. It's It's... Not fun. I mean, right. like, it's not fun. I right. don't wish it on anybody, but it has made me very cognizant of what goes into my mouth. Remember, food is fuel. It's meant to do something in your body. You can't run a car if there's no gas in the tank. And if you put dirt into your tank, your car's going to run like dirt. Put some premium gas in there. Get that premium in there. Get that premium. And also, too, okay, listen, we have to change gears, too, and we're going to go right back to this. Can I do a side note? Side note. And then, too, we got great questions. We do. We do. And I don't want our people to leave that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, can, okay, can I call you out for a second? Please. In a good way. So, okay, this is something called preventative Botox, all right? I am two weeks into my treatment from Fran Wilson. She's our PA in the Johnson City Clinic with me. She's done a brilliant job. Look, I am raising my eyebrows. And I'm pushing them together. I'm two weeks in, and it's two. You'll notice that my brows are not dropped. It's nice and flat. She did a phenomenal job. A, go see Fran. Go see one of our providers to go get your Botox. When we do low-dose preventative Botox, Ben, I have tried so hard. I said, Ben, let me put this needle in your face right now. And I don't know. And you'll see. Just raise your eyebrows, Ben. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. See, I'm not seeing a problem in that. Yeah, you're not seeing a problem now, but here in about 15 years, you're going to come to me and say, remember when? And I'm going to say, yes, I remember the day. I remember the years that I said, please, Ben, let's a little bit. We'll go a long way. Now, this is what we do. This is what we do at Performance Medicine. It's preventative. You get a little, right now we're in our Mother's Day specials for it, but I, I think that we need an online campaign, if we can start it right now, for Ben to get... Yes, Jessica, you will be Botox. Botox, yes. Botox me. We will. And two, this is an online campaign that we are starting. It's going to be called Botox Ben. And we're going to get some Botox into Ben's face, okay? And he's going to love it. I say, once you pop the fun, don't stop. <laughs> Side note, that has nothing to do with diabetes. Nothing to do. <laughs> uh, now, how many, how many units do you think I warrant me up here? You think? Uh, too much to count right now. I can't. Four. I'm just kidding. Five? No, I'm just kidding. We do low dose. I would probably do, if you'll raise your eyebrows, I probably would do 10 in your forehead. Really? That's low dose. That's very low dose. We're starting units on Allergan is going to say to do 20 units on your forehead. Really? 10 units. 10 units. Baby bits, a sprinkle. A sprinkle. Pre yes. Preventative Botox, guys. That's, that's the way. Uh, Corey says... Uh, they're afraid here. I, I'm afraid too. Don't I'm afraid. Think, are you afraid because you're gonna like it so much? That's that's the real fear. That's the real fear. <laughs> we will. I promise you, Corey. We will do low dose. We'll start off slow. Start start low. Go slow. Just gently add up as you work. Two. We don't overdo it, which is why I like how we. Do. This is so off of diabetes. Is that okay? It's totally okay. I'm sorry. I just was looking at your forehead. He's he's having to look at me and he can't he can't help but think we, we want to need help. some Botox. We want to help. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, Let's talk about diabetes though. Let's get to some questions. Um, guys, right. we're we're taking questions and uh, we're interacting here in the comments. Let's see. Um, all right. Let's go with uh, Linda here. 
Um, what improvements have been made with testing your sugar levels? That's a great question, actually. Yeah, so old school. Actually, when diabetes was first a thing, so whenever we really recognized it, type 1 being a well, it was a death sentence until the 1920s, until insulin was yep. discovered. So we're on the 100-year anniversary of insulin. Um, it used to be tested by urine. So urine would have glucose spillage, and they would give you a moderate 50 uh, milligram range of uh, your blood sugars probably between 200 and 250 based on your urine. They would test it. In the ancient hieroglyphic days in Egypt, they would taste it. It tasted sweet. Interesting. So that's how it used to be tasted. So or tested. Now, uh, in the modern is that something to do with ketones? You can have ketone spillage as well. But okay. Okay. That, it can be tested through urine. Then they tested through blood serum through finger sticks. So that was. Uh, I don't know when that started, but I believe in the 70s, 80s. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Now we have continuous glucose monitoring systems. They go underneath the skin around the interstitial fluid around the blood blood vessel. It tests changes in, in your blood glucose coming off the vessel. That's the best way to do it. It's, it's a device, and sometimes it's just unaffordable, depending on the insurance, but Dexcom is a great company for that so that's the newer things that they've come up with it the dexcom is the finger prick and dexcom is a continuous the, glucose the continuous. and then finger stick and there's a million different companies for finger sticks got it and which which one are you doing finger sticks thanks insurance i'm just kidding no i i want to do dexcom i'm going to go back on it so we'll, we'll see or ever since ever since is another one thank you for that question linda and jessica has a question here i've heard of tattoos that can tell your blood sugar is that realistic, helpful? Could something like that replace prick test? Another test yes. question. That's a great question, and yes. It's one of those things when Kelly, my sister, was first diagnosed when she was really young, they were like, oh, Kelly, in a year we're going to have this watch, and it's just going to test your blood sugar for you. That was in 98. Yeah and it's not here or else everybody would have one. What it does with the tattoos and with the watches, they detect color changes. So it's color changes within the vessel. The, the it, it, They use light therapy and color changes, I believe, is the technology. It's no, no, not right now. It is realistic and is, it is out there, but it's not a thing that everybody uses right now. It's really just CGM testing your and blood pricks or finger sticks but that technology is out there and will be the wave of the future for sure what do you where do you use color changes it's kind of cool that's really interesting so yeah. you can have it through the watch and through the tattoo it's color changes do you think anything like you know the the iphone watch and stuff like that mm -hmm. will, will yes. kind of be start to get in this world if it doesn't steal your dna first i'm just kidding yes, yes i think it will i think it absolutely will that's a great question great question there and i think um so corey asked about uh side effects you hear on tv i'm assuming that you're talking about uh botox oh, there's side, botox. side effects to, to botox yeah there's side effects of botox it's a botulin toxin so sometimes too i would say the side effects the, really the biggest side effect is it that it's not placed accurately you can get a lid lag or you can get like a spock eye and that all depends on the placement of the injector of where they put it so it's indicated for the frontalis muscle procerus corrugators and lateral canthal lines so the ambicularis oculi that's where it's supposed to go on the directions on like what you would see from an allergan or a MERS but with side effects if people have abnormal reactions it would be to botulin toxins so if you have an anaphylactic reaction to that particular type of toxin it's just not something you come into readily like a penicillin like sure. a penicillin so you'd have to try it first unless you have a reaction 
you get it out of a doctor's office that does it well, they'll be able to handle that very quickly. But really, the main side effects you'll see are improper placement. So too, when you get it, don't lie down for four to six hours. Don't rub your face because it can move after that time. So it, doesn't it just... it? it it f- paralyzes the muscles yes. is the way it works. Yeah, yeah. they use it on babies or torticollis. So you have this torticollis, you put it into the muscles and it relaxes. So it just stops the tension. So two, with why it prevents wrinkles is that you're not moving and you're not creating wrinkles. So that's how. So the wrinkles are created through the movement. But they'll do Botox injections in the esophageal junction or the sphincter, like to relax it. If you have an achalasia, like your the end of your esophagus is like this, they can do botulin injections there to relax it. Hmm. It's real. It's very multifunctional. They say it helps headaches, tension headaches, because you have all this tension in your in your muscles along your scalp, and you put Botox along, and it gets rid of it. So that's why it helps with, with, with headaches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a lot of units, though, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, for, for, yes. For headaches. Yes. You usually go to a neurologist for that. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. So let's see. Uh, doesn't look like we have any questions, guys. If you yeah, have. Maybe some of the beginning from Juana. Let's see here. Oh. Um, yes. There it oh, is. Oh, cool. Yes. Vegan diets for diabetics. So vegans, so anything not from an animal product, um, diabetics or diabetes, it would be different probably for type 2 and type 1. I'd say everything with diabetes is related to the carbohydrate. I don't count fats. I don't count proteins because those don't affect the blood sugar nearly as um, profoundly as carbohydrates do. So I would say that a vegan diet actually has a lot more carbohydrates because meats and cheeses are free foods. Those have zero carbs in them. So a ketogenic diet or an Atkins diet would have more meats, cheeses, which are all animal products. Animal products are rich in fats and proteins and less so in carbohydrates. You could absolutely do it for a patient with diabetes, but with type 1 diabetes, you'd make sure that they cover for the carbohydrates with insulin regimens, and then for type 2, you'd make sure that it doesn't spike too much. Uh, You would just have to adjust medications, but I think that'd be fine. You might have to repeat what you a little bit of what you said, but I'm going to ask because I think it's an important question. Ideal diet for for someone who's concerned about pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes? Low carb. Okay, only low carb. Low carb. So ketogenic is 20 grams of carbs or less. Low carb, or very low carb, is 20 to 50. Low carb, 50 to 70. And you can use any apps. We've talked about a lot of them on here. Noom, MyFitnessPal. Mm-hmm. I just Google everything. Um, so, yeah, but I would say, yeah. And that's a, another question from Wani about, um, you know, well, there's a perception, I think, that that, I that with this question. that with type one diabetes you can't eat sugar, you can't. Right. So what? what kind of such a great question. Yeah, I solve love that. it. I'm a living proof that you can. <laughs> I do it all the time. If you do it with Woodford, a little bit of simple syrup, a little bit of um, muddled something, whatever. Muddled. muddled. Uh, what's that? Well, you do fat? orange muddled. bitters. You do bitters. Orange bitters. And then you do maybe muddled cherries, the maraschino cherries. I told, did I tell you I made the world's worst old-fashioned? We all know. It was, <laughs> it was so bad. And, um, yeah, unfortunate. It was, it was just unfortunate. It, That's okay. It's, they call it the old-fashioned because it's supposed to be easy to make. Those, those are hard to mess up. People say it's like three ingredients, but it is way more complicated than that. A lot of it has to do with um, proportions. 
I feel like I, you would know how shocked I was by this, but I can't move my forehead. So you can't tell that I'm shocked. So they, of course, can tell how excited I am. I am moving my forehead right now. I am angry. I am sad. <laughs> uh, yes, you can. So you can drink with diabetes. The problem that happens with type 1 diabetes is that low blood sugars can mimic being drunk. So that's, so that's the danger is that somebody thinks you're drunk instead of having a low blood sugar. So you always have to check and the people around you need to know that too. So that if something does happen to you, they're always checking your blood sugar to make sure that it's not a hypo event. With type two diabetes, I would say that there's less opportunity for a low blood sugar from it, but more from a spike from a mixed cocktail. Uh, but people with diabetes can drink. People with diabetes can have sugar. Sugar's in everything. Sugar's in fruit. Sugars and a lot of the natural foods that are good for you, but you just got to count what you're doing. That is a common misconception that is, oh, you can't have sugar. Sugar caused it. Not really. Sugars and a lot of things. There's difference between processed sugars and natural sugars, but an apple has 25 to 40 grams of carbohydrates in it, and that's a good for you sugar with a lot of fiber, but that will spike your blood glucose. The amazing thing I remember uh, growing up is the realization that an apple has 40 uh, carbohydrates in it. Depending on the apple, yeah. That so is anywhere crazy. from 20, I think 25 is a medium apple, a large, like, kind of sugar, more of the sugary ones, maybe a honey crisp has like 40. Just for context, tell everybody, you know, what you consider a low carb day. How many carbs in a day? Uh, so 50. Yeah. 50 to 70. Yeah. That's wild. You can get all in an apple. You have two apples. <laughs> Have fun. Two apples and a lot of meat. That is crazy to me. All right, let's see here. Um, we got another one from from Jessica. Let's put this up. Are there cultures <laughs> that have a higher percentage of type two diabetics? There are a lot of carbs in Italian food. Yes, there are. Oh, Jess, that's a great question. Yes, yeah, so that's a two-part question. Lots of carbs in Italian food, but not a lot of type 2 diabetes in the Italian culture. Mm. Their food is processed much differently than we do, and we have a lot less, they have a lot less quantities. I've not been to Italy. I've been to Gatlinburg, but that's it. Good God, I need to travel more. But it's, Italy actually does not have that higher prevalence or incidence of type 2 diabetes, regardless of the amount of carbs. Their, their quantities are less, and the they're way less processed in the foods they have. So it's a, they actually metabolize that a lot quicker. They're a much more active community than we are after eating those carbs. Mm. But the incidence of diabetes in the Native American culture, the indigenous population is very high. The Latin American community or the Latin community, Latinx communities as well um, are high in diabetes. Um, for type 2 diabetes, it's really the indigenous population, Native American population, and the... Um, Latinx or Hispanic communities have high prevalence of type 2. Type 1 is actually in the Scandinavian communities. Finland, Sweden, those have the highest. Denmark, that's where a lot of those insulin companies are headquartered. Interesting. Because super high inf, uh, incidence and prevalence, meaning how many people have it and how many new cases are there of type 1 diabetes. So that means, to me, that means there's not enough vitamin D. Further away from the, the further away from the equator, the more type one diabetes. Closer to the equator, more type two. What's your take on kinda? Sorry. What's your take on why vitamin D is so important? I know the way Dad talks about it, but like, 
It seems to be such a thing. Like for the immune cascade. So 25 OHD starts that immune cascade and just throws in all these really great immunological cells for you. So it's kind of that buffer for your immune system. So when you have low vitamin D, your immune system kind of suffers as a result. Would that have any consequence in regards to like type two diabetes? Like, is there any, um, sure, cor- but not really more so with type one diabetes. There have been studies with type one diabetes and vitamin D deficiency, less so with type two. Interesting. Super interesting. Further away from the equator more. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Linda, go get some, th- that vitamin D man. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Like it's, it's great. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's great. Have some vitamin D do it. Um, okay. So I want to put this up here real quick cause I want to make sure I, I do this. Um, this yes. is oh please, and this is a little it's Andy and the Beats. This is a little um, uh, image here of the book. Um, we also talk talk a little bit about the the illustrator because the illustrations are incredible. Karen Mastin, if you're anywhere near this podcast or anywhere near this facebook interview she is a brilliant artist a brilliant illustrator this is her second book she has done um and her first with me so karen Mastin's daughter juliana is an artist as well and an illustrator she works out of new york city i believe either new york city or in connecticut now i believe new york city but um juliana and kelly my sister were very close friends in elementary school middle school um and juliana did a lot of drawings for uh and illustrations for some of the campaigns kelly did with walk to cure diabetes so i knew that this family illustrated and so karen and i got hooked up to partner together for this book uh, we worked on it for four years it's almost four or five years in the making it's a long time and a long process that we've got to this book um and so we worked together on every page to kind of highlight uh the whimsical nature of a children's book with the intensity of a chronic illness it's it's a it's a fine mix i'm going to show some of the picture so can you uh i yeah let's see let's check it out that is. Here's the back. Here, those are the bees. So here's some of the illustrations. I just want you to see how colorful and musical it is. Is that not beautiful? That's cool. And 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 they are actually. Uh, if you're in any of the offices this week, there you'll see them kind of spread out, and you can check it out. Let's do it. It was a day like any other for Andy until a visit from the virus turns his whole world upside down. Diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, Andy sets out on an adventure to find a cure with the magical beats. Will they find the key that fits the cure? Super cool, man. Find out more by getting the book. Get the book. There's some fun dedications in here to some of my... Um, some of the cast members from uh, the original production, um, and to Kelly, my sister, um, and to yeah, it's great. I I want everybody to have a copy. Or if you know someone with diabetes, or a kid, or even an older kid or an adult with diabetes, and they want, they should have this book. Get them this book. It's available through Amazon and through Barnes and Noble online starting uh, on Mother's Day, I believe is the launch day. Oh, nice. Mother's Day. Okay. Um, and Jan Carroll Publishing, that is the contact information and the publisher that we've gone with for this book. I'm very thankful for them as well. They've been Karen, amazing. Karen, we did it. 
and just a short five years later. <laughs> and, we, and, and, and in another 10 years, we're going to have our second book. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, we'll definitely we'll announce that. Uh, it's going to happen on Sunday, it seems. Uh, you can find that on Amazon, uh, Barnes and yes. Noble. Uh, so check that out, guys. Check that out. Uh, it's a super, super cool. There you go. Um, oh, Deborah, this is funny. Uh, Deborah, thank you for hanging out uh, this afternoon. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I, it feels like I'm doing a a uh, a Q and A segment with with Dr. Rogers here. Um, <laughs> we do. Which I wore. You know, when we had the mask in the office, I look I look a lot like him. And someone said. I was doing a pellet, and I was like, oh, yeah, Dad put out this note. And he goes, is this not Tommy? And I went, no. And I immediately got Botox. He's 35 years older than me. Good God. <laughs> um, I, Jessica asked about the signed copies. Are you doing signed copies? Yes, yes. And those will, those will be in the office. Those will be in the office. I'll do signed copies. Um, and two, I... I think there's a coffee table version of the book that's going to come out soon, too. We're doing the design for it that has a nice dust jacket, and it's going to be a little bit fancier. The book is still great. The book that is available on Amazon is great, too, but there will be other co there will be other versions of it. If anyone... They call them first edition, second edition. If anyone purchases a certain amount, do they get a serenade from you or any any sort of song oh no baby uh yes good god yes if you buy a box if you buy a box i'll come to your friggin house i will come to your house i'll sing whatever you want um in the style of tlc or destiny's child and and give you your box of books yes if you share this with five friends now i will sing you a uh, a lick of any song you choose from the 90s or early 2000s or musical theater. <laughs> That's a deal right there, guys. That's a deal. That is a deal. And if we sell 10,000 copies, then we'll get Botox and filler. And filler in his cheek. And filler. And filler. Uh, if we sell 10,000, this is called Ben's Botox campaign for the Beats. Ben's Botox for the Beats campaign. 10,000 copies. If you all get it done and share this with everybody around the country, Ben will get Botox. This is true. Uh, and we'll do it on camera. We'll do the whole thing. Whole thing on camera. Is... Oh, this is fun. <laughs> we'll do the whole thing on camera. Ben's first experience with Botox. Man, that's... And you're getting filler, too, because if it's 10,000 copies, that's a lot. I'm getting butterflies already. I'm, I feel great. Already thinking about it. I feel very good. Because I think you're going to do it. 10,000 copies. That's a lot of copies. That's a lot of copies. If we sell 10, I will be really happy. But I, Just 10. But I think you'll do it. I think you'll do it. Uh, guys, this has been a blast. If there what is, a day. If there is no more questions on diabetes, uh, we're going to uh, sign off here. Um, happy Cinco de Mayo to all of you. Um, and a uh, reminder, we have Mother's Day specials happening all week long in all of our offices, Kingsport, Johnson City, and Knoxville. Uh, so check those out. Uh, the Jen and Ben Show. The Jen and Ben Show is legit. The Jen the and Ben Show is, is amazing. Everybody who's been hanging out with us uh, in the morning at 9, tomorrow's going to... The Jen and Ben Show, that's good. It's the Jen and Ben Show. I want to be a part of that. We got a, we got a great show lined up tomorrow at 9. <laughs> Hope to see all of you guys there. Um, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. We love all of you. Bye. Thank Bye, you so Jess. Much. See you guys. Jess, thanks for being here. Don't go away.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.